Want to cut cooling bills without cutting comfort? Lower utility costs and enjoy cool and consistent comfort with a highly efficient air conditioner from Luxair. With Luxair's consumer rebate program, educators, nurses, first responders, military personnel, and veterans can enjoy exclusive rebates on qualifying purchases of Luxair equipment. To learn more, call Chris Brewer at Affordable Heat and Air, 317-656-7945. They'll recommend a system tailored to your home that provides comfort, energy savings, and lasting performance. This is Trackside with Kurt Cavan and Kevin Lee, brought to you by Luxair Premium Residential Systems, a smart choice in home comfort, on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Hunter Ray still somewhat within reach, but one more turn to go, and Simon Pagino is back on the main straightaway. The checkered flag waits on the starter's stand for Simon Pagino, and he crosses the line. Simon Pagino has taken the win, followed by Ryan Hunter Ray. A hat trick since Long Beach Barber, now the Indianapolis Grand Prix. The winner, Simon Pagino, here in 2016. For the second time, Will Power will go to Victory Lane here at the Grand Prix of Indianapolis. Quinn Checkers out, your winner, the 2017 Grand Prix of Indy, Will Power. They're getting hard on the brakes for the corner. Dixon swings a little wide. Pagano will show the wheel. They'll bang wheels. They're side by side through turn eight, through turn number nine. Pagano takes over the lead. Here comes Dixon. He'll try to fight back, but it is Simon Pagano who has taken the lead at Indianapolis with a little over a lap and a half to go. He comes off the final turn for the final time. He will see the twin checkers. That is as hard as he ever fought to win a race. Simon Pagano goes to victory lane for the third time in his career here at the IndyCar Grand Prix. Scott Dixon is second. Jack Harvey is third. The graduate of the road to Indy. He won the 2018 Indy Pro 2000 Championship. Won races at all three levels of the road to Indy. 2020 NTT IndyCar Series Rookie of the Year. Twin checkers out, and he is a winner at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Congratulations to Renus VK. He wins the GMR Grand Prix. Hello, welcome. It's race week in Indianapolis, and it's trackside, 93.5. 1075 the fan in indianapolis the gmr indy grand prix is saturday afternoon right here on 93.5 and 1075 the fan and also on nbc sports you heard some indycar radio highlights to kick things off a lot of lot of simon pagino highlights and uh i also i i don't remember calling the very first one on radio but but that was me uh calling one of pagino's wins from Maybe I would have been in oval turn two, calling the last corner before Paul Page finished it off. So uh, we're happy to be with you tonight. My name is Kevin Lee. Kurt Cavan is with us in Indianapolis. Eddie Garrison in downtown Indianapolis at our studios on the circle. And I'm in Chicago as we speak. And I'm not moving, Kurt. I am sitting still. So that's how I can multitask and, and do this program uh jackson was testing was going to test at road america today and here, here's how i would explain it it's like a crash that didn't happen meaning it costs a certain amount of money to do a test uh and if you don't do any laps then it's almost like a crash because it poured down rain and he did five slow laps in the rain this morning and then we left early. So I am going to get home earlier than expected. It was going to be 1 a.m. 
but now we'll get home by whatever, 10 o'clock or something like that. So uh, all is well, just not as productive as we had hoped before. The road America is still beautiful, but it was cold and dreary today. Hey, how does that uh, shape up for the weekend? Because he'll have some action on the IMS road course this weekend. Uh, I think practice starts Thursday. Is that right for his his division? Well, one, one thought we had when I looked yesterday at the forecast and saw it was not bad or not not good was that, well, it, it there's a good chance of rain this weekend. So that will be helpful. And it would have been had they done some raining uh, running today. But unfortunately, he had sort of an overheating issue or something. And, and while everyone else ran the first session full and probably got 12 laps in or something like that, uh, he did just basically outlaps. So never even got up to full speed. So it, it's better than nothing. Uh, and, and I do think there's a sounds like there's a good chance of wet this weekend. So that is helpful. But by the time they got to the second session, everyone did their first lap and barely could keep it on the track. So everybody parked it, sat around and waited four or five hours, hoping that. Uh, so unlike Indiana weather, they're better at predicting it in Wisconsin. And they were right on it and it rained all day and it never stopped. So we packed up early and headed home. But it does sound like there's a pretty decent chance of rain. I think more so on Friday than for, for IndyCar qualifying than on Saturday, but there's still a chance on Saturday. And while that's not fantastic for fans, boy, does it make the racing entertaining. We've seen uh, at least a couple, three times there where the racing has been in the rain. Yeah, the I know we don't usually have the Jackson Lee segment in segment number one, but just real quick, how does he feel about the weekend given how he has um, driven at IMS on the road course? And I guess – is there any extra pressure because of being at home? Uh, probably. Yeah, he's got more people there. Our whole program, as I was talking about a couple of weeks ago, is all based on on Indianapolis from a, a partnership uh, standing. But he likes the track. He's He's been quick here in the past and had a good test in the, the pro car last fall with a different team. But Turn 3 Motorsport, I think, won the poll last year in this series with Jonathan Brown, who's still one of his teammates. So they, they feel pretty good. Um, and he's okay in the wet. You know, he had a lot of experience in the UK in the wet, but that was a formula Ford car. So he's not done a ton of, of wet weather racing in these cars, but, but he's okay with it. So we're excited. It's, it's a home race this weekend. <laughs> it is a home race and uh, hopefully you'll be home by then. But yeah, that, thir- <laughs> that Thursday action uh, we referenced is largely, uh, the two junior categories, and that is not open to the public. So that'll be testing and just practice and and so forth. You could watch from the museum parking lot uh, as as is typical for a day at the Speedway when it's not open. Uh, really, action begins on Friday. And Friday and Saturday, by the way, both days begin at 8 a.m. with the junior categories. Uh, IndyCar practice on Friday. 9.30, that's a 75-minute session. Uh, that's practice one. Practice two is at 1 o'clock Friday. Then qualifying is at 4. All that action uh, on Peacock and the IndyCar Radio Network here on 93.5 or 107.5. But one of those two, probably not 107.5 since, well, well, we'll have to see where that ends up given given the daily lineup. And, and I know the, the station will have its own you know, stretch of of IMS coverage here in the next, uh, you know, really three weeks as we get toward the Indy 500. Then Saturday, the IndyCar warm up at a, at eleven fifteen, 
and then the broadcast on both network television and on the radio station at 3.30 and Green Flag shortly thereafter. Indy Next, of course, is on hand this weekend, Friday. Uh, Indy Next uh, is just following. Their their first practice is just following the IndyCar practice at about 11.10, and then they have their qualifying session later in the afternoon. So a lot of good action this weekend. Peacock has a lot. The radio network will have a lot. You can get a lot of that on IndyCar Live if you need to go the computer route. And so, believe it or not, this is 10 years of this this uh, event, the first one that you referenced, 2014. So it has been, while we've raced more times than that on the road course, we've had, of course, the, the races in July and September. And, you know, I think we even had one of those in the COVID years that was off schedule. So I think that was October. So we've had a lot of road course races at the Speedway, but... Again, for those of you oval-based and the Indy 500-based, keep in mind that this is the opportunity to see that the diversity of the IndyCar series, road courses, big ovals. Uh, we don't have a street course race here. Probably thought about it one time in the history, but we don't have a street course race. But we race kind of all kinds of different cars. And so, you know, those will be on display this weekend with the road course action. All right, you're in charge of topics. The plan was... I was going to pull over and have my professional driver drive for a little while, but stuck in traffic. Uh, there are three lanes to my right and three lanes to my left, and I'm not really moving, so I can answer questions, but I, I don't have my list in front of me. So uh, whatever you want to talk about, F1 drivers complaining about it being introduced by LL Cool J, uh, whatever you want. We can get to it all tonight. Well, I think, you know. How, how about that for a rough life? Yeah, yeah I, just, I just can't do my job. I'm being forced to, to stand outside for 10 minutes. Yeah. That I've had was... enough. I'm, I'm grow, I've grown weary. I, I don't want to uh, wish ill on anyone, but I'm ready for the fad to be over. Is, is that bad for me that when uh, I was disappointed that Max Verstappen qualified ninth, that Charles Leclerc crashed at the end of qualifying on Saturday, and I was disappointed, not because I'm a Max Verstappen fan, because now there would actually be something of interest in the race. Because if he had won the pole like he was going to, you think that race was boring to begin with? Uh, and I know it sounds like I'm piling on, but it, again, I just I think we're it's it's just frustrating when you see the level of uh, entertainment and you're thinking and really we just need to look at what they're doing, what they're doing right, and it's about the experience and being the phenomena. And being the hip thing and figure that out, how to get some of that. Because the whole thing is based on what happens up until 3.30 on race day. Because there ain't nothing of interest after the race starts. And luckily they had a guy go from ninth to first. Uh, and that's the only thing that saved that race from being the worst, one of the worst races ever. And that's what it would have been had he started on the front row. No, I, so I hear you. Sorry. <laughs> I hear you. And, and I, you know, as you do often, I will start the race you know, about an hour late and use the uh, DVR essentially to catch up. And I kept thinking, what kind of an entertainment show is this from the stand? It's even more so than normal. And all the, you know, hoopla and, and dancers and, and you know, all the things that came with the pre-race show, I was like ready to get to the race. And so I kept fast forwarding, fast forwarding and finally got to the race. And you're right, it's it's not a great circuit. 
when they talk about the part that gets me is, well, he's down there in the marina corner. And I thought, there's no marina. It's about it's about Painted six inches. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, about, you know, maybe a foot and a half worth of water and and a couple of boats that they parked there. So I don't know. And, and, and I'm, I'm sorry I have that. I don't mean to come off that way because I actually I do enjoy Formula One and I would have been watching and, and I am a fan. I think it's just the jealousy. <laughs> Honestly, is that what it is? Is someone that is uh, more involved with IndyCar thinking, well, why can't we have some of that popularity right now? Because I think our product is, is better. Now, all that said, even though the races aren't hugely entertaining, I get that Formula One's different and it's about the extravagance and the opulence and the fact that you can't touch it and just the extreme expense involved that is all attractive but i just like indycar to be uh, taken a little bit closer to that so probably shouldn't look at it that way i should just enjoy more, more motorsport getting its love and eventually people are going to realize you know what you can uh do a lot more for a lot less with indycar that's pretty similar but we just have to figure out how to get that opulence um so we're going to get red bull in, in on board that's what we're going to work on get red bull as uh, a prime partner in indycar and bring some of that over here and make the the famous beautiful people realize that this is where they need to be so why don't you get on that well jay fry used <laughs> jay fry used to work at red bull and so you know that's uh that's something he's been knocking on that door trying to convince the company as well so that's been happening for a long time but uh Let's let's zero in on this race. It's um, okay. We've got a three thirty start, as we said, with all the pomp and circumstance that you'd love to have at a Formula One race. We'll be at Indianapolis this weekend, and and so turn on your televisions and and radio stations and be ready for a, a great race. And actually, you know, I was there's a lot of competition things that that I think maybe we'll touch on in this segment. I know we got some news of the day coming up in the in the second segment that we want to get to that may not be as popular with people in central Indiana. We'll get to that. That'll be our tease uh, for the news of the day, which will come in segment two. But this event last year, uh, in fact, let's take him as a collection of events the two races in Indianapolis on the road course last year, one held in May, this particular weekend, the other held in, in July during the NASCAR doubleheader, tripleheader actually, as it, as it stands, the Gallagher Grand Prix. Both of those races largely dominated by Andretti Autosport drivers. And in fact, really probably should have gone both races to Colton Herta. He had a gearbox issue kind of appeared to have happened in the running over the curbs in that turn eight, nine sequence behind the museum mid race in the second race, the Gallagher Grand Prix, or he would have won both races. I think that that stands to reason. If not, Alexander Rossi did come home with the checkered flag. So technically um, a Rossi victory in, in race two and a sweep by Andretti Autosport among the two races. So that's last year, but historically, this has been a Team Penske race. Eight wins, eight poles, largely Will Power being the one to, to go to victory lane. Simon Pagano, you called that. Um, that was a pre-Penske victory in 2014. Uh, but 
but Team Penske's been the team. So I guess I would pose to you, which team, in your opinion, historically or last year, based on those two you know, parameters, goalposts, if you will, which two should be the one the one that should lead the charge this weekend, in your opinion? Should I be honest and say I have no idea because I have not looked at last year yet? No, I think you, you, look, right. Andrew, I, I have no, I don't know who finished. If you would have told me, I have no idea who won last year's races. I'm not there yet. It's Monday and I'm on my way home from road America. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. So I have no idea what happened last year. I know you're right. The Penske is always strong year, but I don't know if Errol McLaren finished second. Uh, uh, so Andretti won a race. Rossi won last year. So yep. you're going to have to answer that yourself. So Herta won last year's GMR Grand Prix, leading 50 of the 75 laps. I mean, he won the race over Pagano, which was a Meyer Shank car, then Power and a Team Penske car, and Erickson and Connor Daly rounding out the top five. So no Errol McLaren's in that top five last year. And really only Erickson led double-figure laps with 10. So that was a Colton Herter race, despite the fact we had rain kind of both coming and going during the course of the race. And then in the in the summer race, Alexander Rossi and Colton Herta led 61 of the 85 laps. So that gives you a sequence. So, so I'll say this the, uh, from is it rings a bell now. Nothing that happened in the May race last year matters unless it rains again. Right. Well, if, was, if it's dry, no, nothing happened because they slid all over the place and ran and no one could see. Um, so if it's a dry race, that doesn't tell you. Now you can look at qualifying in the dry. That, that's probably what you would want to look at. Look at qualifying and that'll tell us who was good. And then in the, the summer race, that also may not apply because if it was 85 degrees and it's going to be 65, I have no idea what it's going to be this weekend, but that's going to be uh, totally different as well. But you know what's going to happen? It's going to be here, here's the one. It's going to be Penske, Ganassi, uh, Aaron McLaren, and Andretti. But is Ed Carpenter going to be back in the mix? They have been good there at times, including two years ago. Is someone else going to jump up? I think we're to a point, and some might say, well, that's getting predictable, like other forms of motorsport. And now you're still talking 13 cars that we think could win the race between those four teams. Uh, but who's next? That's always. I think going into weekends at this point, because there does seem to be a little split between the haves and the have nots. And, you know, the other teams that we, we seem to usually see a surprise every weekend, we're not seeing that right now. And I think that's one of the reasons is because there is a legit big four and it really was a big two. It was Penske Ganassi the last few. Actually, McLaren was in that category to some extent most of the time. But still, some weekends, they've been a little bit lost, and they're not really having that anymore. They found consistency. So I think that's one of my questions is who is who has the best chance outside those four? Is Ray Hall going to get it together this weekend? Um, I remember Christian Lungard was really good there last summer and good two years ago. So maybe he is someone to watch. You, you actually hit on one of the other questions I was going to pose to you. Who's some of those other guys that uh... – and you just named two of them. Lungard second in the summer race last year. Renus VK won the May race in 21. Graham Rahal's another one who has run well in this road course configuration. He would be one. And, you know, I, I, I can't discount 
the Meyer Shank car last year. Uh, I know it was in the rain largely, but Simon Pagano had a good race, and uh, so so that would be that would be one that uh, that that could figure into the equation. Uh, the other question I had for you, this may help guide me a little bit. It's a little bit self-serving because I'm going to have to answer this on IndyCar.com. I'm curious what you think. I think there's there's six or seven drivers who could, given the strength of their programs, could win both races this month of May. Uh, Christian, I mean, uh, Will Power in 2018 swept both of them. Simon Pagano the next year in 19 swept both of them. But when you're looking at Award, Newgarden, McLaughlin, Rossi, Dixon, Erickson, Pillow, there's some of these guys that could win both races. Their, their program is strong enough week in, week out, ovals versus road course. Any thoughts on leading contenders from your perspective? All the usual contenders, all the, the heavy favorites. Um, and that's probably... You know, what, what I don't know is I don't know what Andretti has this year for the 500. And I, I guess we don't know what Penske has for the 500 either. I think they're both better. So I think that, again, puts almost everyone for those four teams in that category. I think Andretti is better again. And they weren't terrible last year. Um, and I think Penske is probably going to be better, but we won't know that. We won't know that until a week from Saturday, until qualifying, because you just never get a real full read in practice. But yes, all those drivers are championship contenders. You know, some you're going to rate a little higher than others. Uh, it, it'd be a long shot, obviously, for a guy like Romain Grosjean, who has not won a race in well over a decade, to say he's going to win two in a row. So I, I think logic would say I can probably cross that one off. Um, so you're, you're looking at the heavy hitters. You're looking at McLaughlin and Newgarden and Dixon and Polo and Award. Yeah, I think who am I leaving out there? I think that's probably the list. So I wouldn't include everyone. Maybe a Colton Herta, but Colton hasn't put it together in in the five hundred yet. Well, you didn't mention Erickson, uh, and Rossi would be the other I, probably two that I probably should mention yeah, Erickson. You know, some of it's just the um and there's no rhyme or reason for this, but it's tough to win back-to-back. So, you know, not analyzing anything, because he's going to have a great car again, but just logic says it's probably not going to happen uh, where you get the brakes and have the great car two years in a row. So if I, I have to pick, I'm I'm probably not picking him this year because I think someone else will get an opportunity. Yeah, we got to go uh, back. And, and Rossi's just, you know, for Rossi to get good luck two races in a row, Right. Chances are that's not happening, unfortunately, for for the way it's gone for Alexander Rossi for the last three years. Yeah, it's um, somebody I think will eventually pull it off again. I think I would lean. I've got to answer this question. We we argue it on our our panel of of uh, reporters on IndyCar.com each Wednesday. Uh, some question about the sport and Paul Kelly and and uh, Joey Barnes and I jump in there. I, I think it's probably. You know, an award. He probably feels like the strongest of the, you know, if you looked at oval and road course, the strongest of the Aero McLaren cars. Um, you know, if you're looking at Team Penske, 
I just don't think Team Penske is going to win the 500 again. I think you look at how good the Ganassi team was last year. I think it could be Dixon easily enough. It could be Pelot easily enough. So I might have to answer Pelot or Ward. And how good both... were the Ganassis in uh, in the GP races last year? How how much pace did they have? Where did they well, qualify? Not, yeah, not not as much. Erickson qualified 18th. Uh, Dixon qualified 21st. So yeah, oh. those the Pelot was 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 on the front row, but but largely they didn't have. Uh, oh, oh wait a minute. Yeah, now I'm remembering. This is where Dixon really vented to me on the air uh, about they all need to figure out what's going on here after qualifying for the. G- GP in May. Yeah, I remember how displeased he was. <laughs> displeased. Well, you're gonna get back, and you're gonna have to. Uh, I guess. I guess your prep is. How long is your prep normally? A day? Two days? Uh, as much time as I have. Yeah. yeah, but we're not on the air tomorrow, so I I need to be prepped by Friday. That's true. I you want to be at the race? You probably want to be prepped by Thursday because you want to watch Jackson run on Thursday. So you want to uh, you get two days. I'll give you two days to get ready. Is that enough? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Are you out of traffic yet? Uh, I've now made it to a gas station. We've hit ten miles an hour, and I pulled to a gas station, which was needed. And I'm going to trade over to the professional driver for the next segment. All right. Well. And I'll tell I'll, I'll tell people, I, I think I know what your news of the day is. And while it may have been brought on by ourselves, you shouldn't have kept asking, is it going to be blacked out on Peacock? And maybe it wouldn't have been blacked out on Peacock. <laughs> but that's what I wanted to say to people last week is don't bring it up. Maybe nobody will notice for you. But yeah. they did. And now they've gone to the trouble. And we'll that spoiled our news. But we'll get to that coming up in a moment. All right. All right, stay, stay with-, with us. Trackside on the way, 93.5, The Fan. Hi. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hi, this is Takuma Sato. You are listening to Trackside on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. May in Indianapolis means racing, including big-time racing on the dirt at Circle City Raceway on their all-new clay surface. May 19th, it's the second annual C.J. Rayburn Tribute, $10,000 to win super late models and Boss 410 Sprints. May 24th and 25th, it's the USAC Amsoil Sprint Car National Championship. Circle City Raceway at the Marion County Fairgrounds, discounts for military, first responders, vets, seniors, and teachers. Tickets and info at Circle City raceway.com and kurt that brings us to our news of the day which i tease way more than a tease should be tease yeah. is supposed to tease not tell you the news but go ahead and finish the rest of the story well what's great about it is the guy who works at indianapolis motor speedway gets to uh break the bad news that uh that the blackout of the broadcast that was available through sort of a loophole last year if you had peacock which we've encouraged so many people to get for four ninety nine a month to watch the IndyCar practices and qualifying sessions and races with replays and all that being available in a streaming service, Indianapolis Motor Speedway and its partners have been able to geofence the live stream of that to those in central Indiana. So if you are outside of central Indiana, you can continue with your live broadcast, but inside 
sort of the geofence, uh, now you will not be able to see the race on Peacock. And that, that's a that's a big number that it helped last year. NBC saw a 534% increase in its digital audience for the 500 with an average of 219,000 fans watching via Peacock, the NBCSports.com or the app. Uh, that's up from 34,000 in 2021. So that's the bad news. I'm the bearer of bad news tonight, although you teased it. Uh, I have good news, though. What's the good news? Well, the good news would be this radio station is probably quite pleased oh. with that, right? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. For local radio uh, to to still be the exclusive home of the live broadcast in Indianapolis. And you can still watch it on tape delay and channel 13 uh, in the evening. I'd still say this. If you're at home, I'd go ahead and fire that peacock up at about 1230 on uh, the last Sunday in May and just see what happens. Uh, to make sure that, because I have no idea how that technology works, and I'd want to make sure that they got it right, and that's kind of what I was talking about. I I think if people would have uh, not asked so many questions, and then I saw the star repost on their Twitter the the story about the blackout last year, you know, it just kind of reminds everyone. All right, people are looking into this, and that doesn't. IMS has a unique opportunity in one of the last sporting events that has the right to black it out locally i'm not aware of it and somebody may come up with something but i'm not aware of anything else that allows anymore the nfl did it forever and other sporting events have but uh not anymore and i understand that they'd prefer not to give that up and that would be a discussion between the network and ims in future contracts if that were to go i'm sure nbc would love for that blackout to be lifted um, but the numbers still count in the evening, and it's a, still a pretty big number in, in the re-air in the evening. So uh, there you have it. That's that's one of our notes for the day. Well, it's, I've got it, some tweets, too. No, it's a big one. And by the way, this is uh, apparently the same technology for geofencing, uh, according to the Indy Star, is uh, the same that DirecTV uses for its Sunday ticket to prevent customers from using an yeah. app. Uh, to watch a say a Colts game locally. So anyway, it's uh, ticket sales are up. That's the good news. And Doug Bowles told Indy Star this week that IMS came away with roughly twelve thousand unsold grandstand tickets uh, last year, and ticket sales are up. So that's good. Good uh, question from and Twitter questions at Kevin Lee twenty three and at Kurt Cavan. Uh, Eric Forch asks you and Kurt. And IMS have got to get those Formula One fools to quit using the greatest spectacle as a tagline. Hashtag not cool. Hashtag trackside. So I saw on Twitter and our buddy Indy44, Matt Archuleta, uh, tweeted this this morning. Apparently, IMS President Doug Bowles was on with Jake Query uh, and Kevin Bowen this morning and asked that question. And Sam Myers posted this, that Doug Bowles said on 107.5 this morning that IMS reached out to Liberty Media when Vegas promotions were using greatest spectacle in motorsports, and they agreed to stop using it, and they'll do it again now that it was used in Miami. Yeah, but it still did the purpose. They, you know, I don't know that they care to use it every time, so they had LL Cool J spouting that off to the dismay and the anger of the drivers being forced to suffer through being introduced and cheered at a crowd. Um, so there you go. Cease and desist. 
Yeah, but it's if you've already done it and you've told exactly. a, a worldwide audience you're the greatest spectacle in motorsports, you know, they'll probably use it again. Yeah, and they'll just play, oh, I'm sorry, that was a different promoter. They didn't know. So, and that reminds me, and I, I went and looked it up last night. You know, that it's a fat, and I miss having Donald to tell this story every once in a while about where that came from about where the, the term, the greatest spectacle in racing came from. And it came sort of from what we're broadcasting on. I know things have changed. We're not 1070 anymore, but I'll still claim that lineage of WIBC. And it was uh, a, a young copywriter. And I had to look up the name. I remembered, I, I, I remembered Alice, but it's uh, Alice Green who suggested that they, and they were looking, Sid Collins was looking, for some sort of a cue for the network affiliates to know that they were going to break and different broadcasts, you know, for example, on a Pacers or a Colts broadcast, our cue was, you know, something creative, like you're listening to the Pacers radio network. And that was the cue to go to break. That's why the miss Alice green was so awesome. Because that's like Radio 101. You're taught to not say we're going to break. You just kind of move on and you tease what's coming next. And it's stay tuned for the greatest spectacle in racing. It's not we're going away. We're just pausing here a little moment. So uh, it, I, I love the fact that that has endured for so long and went from just a, a part of semantics for the broadcast to becoming one of the most treasured labels that there is in sport not just motorsport but in sport so much so that the uh, the official listing of the greatest spectacle in racing the 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 capital t is part of the name uh, so it's not sure. just and I, I actually make that mistake from time to time because on the journalism side they journalists tend not to capitalize the letter t but the official um moniker is is such so that's it's it is a great story all right what else do i have on twitter from lynn underscore indycar uh tags me hashtag trackside thank you lynn owners oh this is the second part of it he says can we end the experiment of laguna seca and move it back to sonoma sonoma had better racing and more fans too closer to the bay area and sacramento markets too Owners can take sponsors to Napa, too, if the finale was returned to Sonoma. So I, I'm good with either one. In fact, I'd take a doubleheader to end the season there. <laughs> but uh, but I appreciate why people think Sonoma is, is so good. It, it was great. Uh, it was I thought the fan engagement was great, and it's certainly a beautiful part of the country. It's difficult to argue with Monterey, but um, there are pros and cons. If we want to just be honest about things, the crowd wasn't great there either. And it always looked kind of empty, uh, but it did also fit the bill of what you, you kind of liked and what made up for the fact that it was not super heavily attended. And it was more attended than, than Laguna Seca. I love Laguna Seca. And we have some listeners that, um, you know, are, are real fans of that. And I appreciate that, but it does, th there is going to be a point when you have to decide, well, I guess maybe not. If they still want to pay a million and a half sanctioning fee every year, I think that's going to stay. But I want it to grow because my fear is that the people paying that bill are going to say, we're not getting enough people coming 
to pay that kind of a sanctioning fee. And I'm estimating, by the way, in the sanctioning fee, I don't know exactly what it is. The public records say it's something close to that. My thought has always been if this for some reason ends, then they would approach Sonoma again. But I doubt that they're going to do both. I don't know which one's better. You know, one advantage that Laguna Seca does have is that the racetrack is only 15 or 20 minutes away from Monterey and where you're going to do all of your entertaining. And Sonoma is a little more spread out. You know, even to go some of the wineries, it's a little bit away. But there are lots of pluses there. Doing both probably is not going to to make a lot of sense. Um, But I'd be fine if we got a chance to go back there. And I always still wonder, is there a way that Laguna Seca could be in the spring? We have a gap of races. We'd love to start earlier and not have a gap. Could they run Laguna Seca in March? Some people say yes. Uh, as far as from a weather standpoint, it, you're taking a little bit more of a risk, but that would be a scenario where you could do something like that as well. Kyle H. Uh, tweets and says this. He has a picture of, I think this is in response to someone showing the podium celebration at F1, and he has a picture of the IndyCar championship at the said mentioned Laguna Seca. This has been my white whale in IndyCar, the absolute failure in a proper televised podium celebration. Portable stage, LED screen, first to third tiered platforms, a celebratory song, even 100 fans surrounding cheering would be a powerful visual. Um, yeah, I'd love to have that too. I, I don't know, you know, I'm not the one paying for it and trying to organize that and finding the space for doing it every weekend. And there's no guarantee that it's going to make television every week because that's going to happen, what, 20 minutes, 15 minutes after the race is complete? And depending on your window, you know, you have to decide, is that worth it going through all of that if it's not going to make the network broadcast? So those are some of the pros and cons, but ultimately, yes. Just if you say, yeah, would you like to have it? Yeah, I'd like to have something like that. So the GMR Grand Prix should have have you know they they allow fans down to get near the the victory podium yeah uh, so it will happen this weekend uh it will not happen to that extent at the Indy 500 or other events for some of the same logistical reasons uh that we know exist so yeah we'd like to see it everywhere mike stoop says asking with respect i know i miss a special and the 500 is special but why is rookie orientation there and not at a place like Texas, which often is referred to as a very challenging due to speeds and size of the track. Is orientation just stuck in tradition? Well, I think there is essentially a rookie orientation at Texas. We just don't call it rookie orientation. But, boy, I think every rookie driver, maybe not every, but almost every, if not every driver, has tested at Texas before they race at Texas. That's right. Usually they do that before they come and do anything at IMS. We just don't do full coverage on Peacock and make a big deal out of it. It's a private test. It is a private test, and they did have it at Texas this year in advance of the race, and all the rookies were there. Now, one difference is it's not a structured program the way IMS's program is. Yeah. And yeah. and and the IMS one has been I mean, they it sometimes will get a little joke, you know, the 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 speed being low and in categories or stages, and people will say, Well, the cars aren't designed to go that slow. 
So, you know, a little bit, a little bit antiquated or, or traditional, if you will, uh, at Indy, but they, they still have a, a proper test at, at Texas for those guys who have never been on an oval or that, that oval in particular. And, and maybe it is antiquated and you can move past it, but I think it can still be argued that it's not just because of that's the way we've always done it. I think it makes some sense and it kind of protects you from yourself. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, you're a hot shot rookie driver and you don't want to go 207 miles per hour right out there. You want to show that I'm ready for this. And yeah, I may not go 226 like everybody else does right at the start, but I'm going to go 218 or 220. So let's just take some pressure off and allow you to ease into it where you don't, because that's the problem. So at Texas, no one's keeping track, right? You can go 186 miles an hour the first few laps, and no one knows about that. In Indianapolis, someone might judge you. What if you're trying to still finalize your sponsorship, and you go out there and you run 15 laps at 212 miles per hour, and someone says, well, this kid's not ready. So, you know, those kind of things are one of the reasons why this may not be a terrible idea. Now, does, does Ryan Hunter Ray need to do that? He probably doesn't. But rookie drivers, yeah, I think that's still a good idea. Yeah, I, it's a it's an excellent point. Protect them from themselves. So, All right, I've lost track of time and where we are in this segment. Um, so we're going to step away, and then we're going to come back and see what we missed and other news and more. And don't forget, we're back again tomorrow night at 7 o'clock getting set for a road course race weekend with the GMR Grand Prix and then uh, leading into Indianapolis 500 practice, which starts a week from tomorrow. How about that? Stay with us. It's Trackside, 93.5, The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hi, this is Ed Carpenter, and you're listening to Trackside. All right, final segment of our road tripping edition of Trackside on the way back home from a very soggy road America uh, today. Uh, by the way, I went to Rev for the first time. I mentioned this last week, so thank you to the Indiana Soybean Alliance and Indiana Corn Marketing Council invited my wife and I as guests. That was really fun. We had never been to that before. Usually busy that weekend or just uh, the calm before the storm, but we decided to actually leave the grid for an evening, and it was a really, really fun event and look forward to doing that again. And we're ready to go racing coming up this week. Apologies. Still did not get to all the tweets and get caught up. Some good ones from last week I still wanted to get into, so we'll do that early on in the show tomorrow night and continue talking about the GP uh, while the USF Pro Championships were trying to test uh, around the rain today at Road America. I see Indy Next was at Mid-Ohio, so hopefully they had a more productive day, and it looks like they did. And we'll see everybody at Indianapolis this week, and we'll talk more about it as the week goes along. Thanks for joining us for Kurt, for Eddie Garrison in the studio. I'm Kevin, Jake Query, and Mike Thompson are coming up next, Beyond the Bricks, looking at the history of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and the Indianapolis 500 and much more. That's next, 93.5, 107.5 The Fan.